Welcome to Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, former pro football quarterback and president of the Sold Out Youth Foundation, Roman Gabriel III. Join us for up-close conversations with high-impact people dedicated to faith and family from the world of sports and entertainment. Remember, Sold Out relies on you, the listener, and your support in order to deliver this program. You can donate to the Sold Out Youth Foundation at soldouttv.com. Follow Roman on his Twitter and Facebook fan pages at Roman Gabriel III. Check out the Sold Out program at soldouttv.com along with its mission to impact America's youth by challenging students to be alcohol and drug abstinent and teaching valuable life skills and biblical principles of success. Today, Roman's guests on Sold Out Sports Talk are Super Bowl champ with the St. Louis Rams, Roland Williams. We now have a program that is producing some unprecedented uh, results with teenagers that are facing uh, multiple aces, which stands for a first childhood experience. And former Detroit Lions quarterback Eric Hippel. And, uh, I grew up in Southern Cal, you know, so Camp Lejeune was just down the road. Um, and it is, it's a huge, it's a huge issue with identity and so when those guys leave I saw the same things happening you know take the uniform off now who am I what do I do I did this but now what do I do now here's the host of sold out sports talk Roman Gabriel the third my guest coming in I've known him a long time uh, he's a Super Bowl champion Super Bowl 34 St. Louis Rams one of my favorite football teams of all time and of course he's living out uh, where I grew up in Westlake Village California and uh, as great as his football career uh, was uh, he's doing even greater things in his post-career. Roland Williams with us. Roland, how are you, my friend? I'm doing spectacular, brother. Thanks for reaching out. Hey, great great to have you in. And uh, amazing uh, that that you and I uh, have this in common. Uh, I, I had a great childhood in Westlake Village growing up out there and, and uh, went to Agora High School. And I know you are the director of football operations at Oaks Christian. Is that- yes, I am. And I'm also uh, the proud dad of three amazing sons who are who are ripping running around here. And my yep. oldest actually is going to be a sophomore at Oaks Christian. Yep. Uh, my second son is going to be a seventh grader at the middle school, and then I got a second grader. So man, yeah. So life is busy for me as a dad, and now I'm running the show over at Oaks Christian. You know, the football season's starting in two weeks, Rowan, and I know I know you, you keep in touch with it. Uh, what's it like? Uh, I've talked to so many so many old fans that were so happy to have the Rams back in Southern California. Talk about that. Man, it, it's just great. You know, when you when you play the game, you give so much of your life uh, to, the, to the game, and particularly one program, uh, a franchise. It's good to want to carry on that relationship with your kids. And so for me, playing in St. Louis and now living out here in California, there were years where I thought I wouldn't be able to share that experience except for the occasional trip. And so when I found out they were moving not only to Los Angeles, but literally they're 10 minutes away from us right now over by Kalu. Um, it's been a great experience. Uh, I bought four-season tickets. Uh, me and my sons are, are up in row 14 having a great time, and I think it's just a great experience. And I just love the game. It's just, it's just great for this entire region to get the Rams back home where they belong. And they're playing so well. That always helps that, that they had a great year last year in winning. they got a great young head coach and, of course, a new stadium getting ready to be built. And uh, one of the things that I've heard from former St. Louis Rams and former L.A. Rams has been that this ownership has really made it a priority to bring everybody back into the fold. Is, is that true? Exactly. Like St. Louis is where I played with the Rams, and we will forever – love St. Louis, and St. Louis is, is 
us as players is our first home. But the reality is that the Rams were originally started in L.A. So, you know, they, they took a some years and went to St. Louis. And I think they built we built a great legacy there to add on to the Ram uh, mystique. I think that we've uh, had a chance to have some fun. And now coming back and me getting a chance to reconnect with guys like the Eric Dickersons of the world and, and all the guys like yourself, it, it's just great to unify the franchise, right, from past, present, and future. And that begins and ends. Uh, in LA, and so I, I'm excited about the new stadium. It, it's great. I'm just ready, man. It's just exciting stuff. Roland Williams is with us, NFL Super Bowl champion, Super Bowl 34 with the St. Louis Rams, and uh, you know, Roland, uh, that's such a special team. Uh, it, it set so many records, uh, set the tone in so many ways, and so many class acts on that team. Um, to, for for fans that are out there that are Rams fans, what was it like to play on that 99 Super Bowl team, the first team to win the Super Bowl? Um, it was very humbling for me. You know, I was a young player uh, with a lot of gusto, a lot of energy, uh, and, and definitely playing more off passion than my actual knowledge of the game. And so hanging around with intelligent guys like the Isaac Bruce of the world, like the Marshall Falks, people that just knew football, you know, um, Kurt Warner. I mean, it just it just was a it was a great environment for young players to be in. You know, people don't know this, but our team was literally the, the like the youngest team to ever win a Super Bowl. I mean, we were full of kids on the team, and so the the process of maturation of growing as a person and a football player were things that have helped me out in my life, life after football. Uh, you know, our team. People don't know that you know during our Super Bowl year, you know, we had a Bible study that used to be you know, at different people's houses. It was at Kurt Warner's house for, for a lot of the times. And um, just the, the, the spiritual, faith-based environment that we had off the field was something that was powerful and that forced us to grow as men and as individuals and as husbands and all these different things. I mean, as, as sons, uh, it, was, it was really powerful. And I think that that spiritual connection made us that much better on the field. And so when I saw this year the Philadelphia Eagles, when they won the Super Bowl, uh, when I heard the, the not just about the, the team camaraderie, but I heard that spiritual base, <laughs> it reminded me right of how how uh, that Ram team was. You're exactly right. the uh, The joy of that team and the way they played the game did did remind me as well of, of that '99 Rams team. Um, you know, you come from humble beginnings, as you said, Rochester, New York. You grew up uh, in a very uh, tough neighborhood, surrounded by poverty, gangs drugs, and you have taken uh, your experience as a young man uh, and parlayed that through your, uh, I like to call it impact or I like to call it uh, your platform, uh, and, and you've created the Champion Academy Extreme Mentoring and Empowerment Initiative, and um, this is very special, something that's near and dear to your heart, so uh, tell, tell our listeners out there just why this is so important to you and what you guys are up to. Well, I think you, you summed it up right, you know, I... Um... I've been through a lot uh, to get uh, where I am today, and I would not have been here if it wasn't for um, a lot of people praying on me, a lot of people loving me, and people helping guide me through the journey. Um, The reality is that now as a dad, I realize how important as ever it is that we give all of our students a chance to succeed in life. And so in my hometown, and all places across the country, but in my hometown of Rochester, New York in particular, there are some alarming statistics that I couldn't uh, walk away from or shy away from. You know, we're tops in the country in fatherless homes and tops in the country in, in childhood poverty and extreme poverty and, 
and the graduation rates are near the lowest um, in the country, lowest in, in the state of New York, and, and students not succeeding, and, and too many uh, traumatized by home-based social-emotional issues, and, and that we're losing. And so um, I started a, a, a pilot program to see if we could come up with some innovative solutions to create a right-now product for a right-now student. And I'm pleased to report that after uh, four years of, of work, um, we now have a program that is producing some unprecedented uh, results with teenagers that are facing uh, multiple ACEs, which stands for uh, Adverse Childhood Experiences, um, people who are given to us by police officers and social workers and teachers and educators and community stakeholders, students with 1.0 GPAs, we're converting into 4.0 GPAs. Wow. Um, students with multiple suspensions, we're taking suspensions down to zero. You know, we, we created an innovative concept called extreme mentorship, and it's working. And so um, I'm excited about it. Um, I think it's something that uh, ultimately I'll be able to create as a, a platform, a model, to be able to uh, license other athletes who want to make a difference in their community. And it's not about me. I think it's about we. And I think that's, um, you know, my, my larger purpose in life. I think there's a lot of people that can benefit from from uh, innovation and, and, and getting the keys to it. You know, I'm a grant writer. I'm a fundraiser. <laughs> I'm a nerd, man, in my life after football, bro. But <laughs> it's, what I, it's what I love. So I'm, I'm, I'm a busy dad with a house full of stuff going on, and, I, and, I, and I'm director of football and in high school, and, and I work with, with, with amazing students, and I'm, I'm sort of in the back in the laboratory trying to create solutions for long term. So. You know, there's so many of us out here who care about kids, who care about the next generation, who want to do something positive. And, and, you know, and I understand guys, you know, want to start their own foundations. But what you're talking about here, Roland, is, is it could be something that could change so many lives because so many of the guys need mentorship that are coming out of the NFL. They're getting it now through programs in the NFL. But we've always talked about what would happen if you brought together the same mentality and equipped guys to work together. And to me, that's, that, that's really important. Absolutely. You know, to me, it's, it's also what would happen if we equip guys with that are that are more prominent and, and have the ability to engage and to inspire people. If you gave them the the, the tools, how to how to fundraise, how to effectively build a long term strategic plan. You know, there's athletes and entertainers and business people and that want to get involved. They just don't know how. And so, you know, it, it, what can I say? It's my crazy idea to help help empower people to help their own community. Roland Williams is with us, a former Super Bowl champion, and he's he, he's heading up an incredible organization, Champion Academy Extreme Mentoring uh, and Empowerment Initiative. And uh, you can find him at Roland Speaks uh, on Twitter if you want to you want to follow him because he's moving fast. Um, so, if people want information about the Champion Academy, how do they do that, Roland? Oh yeah, that's great. Well, thanks, bro. <laughs> you're too you're awesome, man. Uh, we're actually online uh, at. Uh, Champion Academy Rock. That's Champion Academy R O C dot org. Champion Academy Rock dot org. Or if you're on social media, we're at five eight five Champions. Five eight five is the area code from my hometown. So uh, yeah, man, it's it's just it's just great, man. I'm I'm glad I'm glad to just get a chance to talk with you, man. Before we even start recording this, it was good to just catch up with you. And and you're just awesome. I'm proud of what you're doing, brother. What you're doing is great. Well, and hopefully, I- this can bless anybody or inspire anybody. That's that's what it's all about. 
it's why we started uh, sold out because we wanted people to know about all the great things that former athletes and current athletes are doing to help the next generation. And for the most part, when we talk about faith, family, and sports, we talk about guys that have the priority right, which is God, family, and their ministry. And uh, for for you, you've got those priorities in order, and God's blessing you greatly. And and that's always true for anybody that that puts those priorities together. God is very faithful. One one more time before we let you go, how do how do they get hold of you? For Look at you, man. Time? I appreciate you, man. Hey, um, if, if you're interested in learning more about the uh, the mentoring program that I'm working on and trying to uh, impact lives, extreme mentoring, uh, it's, it's five eight five champion is, is our pilot program in the work. Uh, it's our area code, and of course, you know, I have my own website, RollerWilliams.com. You know about me, but man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm grateful. This is a best of edition of Sold Out Sports Talk with your host, Roman Gabriel III. In this segment, Roman talks with former Detroit Lions quarterback Eric Hipple. Visit soldouttv.com and consider donating to the Sold Out Youth Foundation. And follow Roman on his Twitter and Facebook fan pages at Roman Gabriel 3. Now, once again, here's Roman Gabriel the Third. Eric Hipple is with me. Detroit Lions, great quarterback in the NFL, spent many years in the NFL, and uh, great to see you. Appreciate that, man. I'm uh, happy to be on your show. Oh, I'm telling you, uh, you, you know, you you played at a time where uh, the game of football was much different than it is today. Not that it isn't entertaining today, uh, <laughs> but playing quarterback when you played was a dangerous sport. Well, I remember Roman Gabriel watching him as a kid when I was going, you know, because I grew up in yeah. Southern California. And I go watch the L.A. Rams, right? And so, uh, so full circle, you know, here we are in a different era again. And uh, it, it, it is, man. We, they used to beat up on quarterbacks. They used to hit, you know, you couldn't throw the ball out of bounds. You know, you had to throw it downfield. You had to hang on to it. So a lot less to rest on the quarterback today. And um, I say that even though they're throwing the ball so much. Yeah. But it's easier to read a defense when you got everybody spread out so you can kind of tell what they're doing. Now it's a matter of can, can the defensive lineman beat your offensive lineman. It's not about, you know, blitzing. I can see the blitz right. coming. You know, I can get rid of the ball. It's not even I have to hold on to it. You know, if I hold on to it because I'm trying to make something but happen, I can get I was going to ask you this, and I've asked other quarterbacks this, because whenever I watch an NFL game today and I think about some of the hits that you took or my father took and yeah. the three-step rule, basically, hey, you throw the ball, they got three steps, you know, the referee's not going to say a word, yeah. half a yard out of bounds, no big deal. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. I was going to ask you, what is the difference, because I tell people this all the time, as good as these guys are today and they're talented and they're really good, it's a lot easier to play quarterback when you know you're not going to get it in the mouth or you know you're not going to get it in the knees or you know you can stand in there for an extra count and throw it and know that you're not going to take a shot. You know, even from a, you know, you, you think from a, oh, well, well, from a fear standpoint of view, I'm going to get hit, and that's, right. that's the motivation to get rid of the ball. It's not. The motivation to get rid of the ball is because the play's not going to be successful. Right. And so if I know i got to take the ball back there and go back 10 yards, right, and stand there with the thing, and i got to throw the ball downfield and nobody's open, now I can make – it could be intercepted. Yeah. I could take a loss. And so it's the, it's the loss of the play and the loss of the yards that drives that fear. It's not about getting hit at all. Well, all right? the thing I was going to yeah. say, though, is, is the difference between uh, a count yeah. is being able to get to your secondary receiver, third receiver, yes. and make a play. Yeah. These guys, they know they're not going to get the hammer and get yeah. hit. So it's like, hey, I can hold it for an extra count. Yeah. because and, and if I get a penalty, you know, these guys aren't going to try to hit me with their helmet. They're going to try to take me down softly. I mean, I'm looking at guys <laughs> in the league today that are actually, and I feel sorry for defensive linemen because yeah. they're thinking, 
Well, I can't land on him. Can't hit you low, and yeah, I can't, can't hit, hit you high. high. The numbers, and, and if, I, if I, I grab got. you, I can't even take you down. I took it a was hold like on the you. call in the playoff game against <laughs> the Chiefs with Brady, yeah. where the defensive lineman reaches over the offensive yeah. lineman and and basically a finger touched yeah. his helmet and hit his shoulder, yeah. and they call rough in the passer. The the biggest exa- example of how the rules have changed and affected the game. Okay, you had a 40-year-old quarterback playing and a 41-year-old quarterback, and if things would have gone one play different or a call different, you would have had a 40 and a 41-year-old quarterback playing in the Super Bowl. Now that tells you everything yeah. about how the game has changed and how it's changed for the quarterbacks. There is no duress. Right. I'll say duress. If I walk up to the line and I know I can throw the ball away, so I don't have to worry about a sack. I know that if I throw it downfield, I could get a pass interference, right? And uh, and I know that they're not going to hit me afterwards. Great. You know, the other thing that happens is I get a completion. So why wouldn't you pass the ball? Why wouldn't you throw the ball so many times a game? And it's, that's how it shaped the defense. And it really put a lot of pressure on the uh, defensive backs, on their man coverage, on how they man up. Right. And so, man, I mean, if I make a mistake, this could be a 40-yard pass interference call. And if I cover the guy like glue, right, I might be able right. to make him go to somebody else. But it also depends then on the defensive back, I mean, excuse me, the, the defensive lineman who's rushing. They're saying, even if I get to the guy, I can't punish him. Right. And so, like, you know, so where's the pressure at, you know? Eric Hipple hey, is Do I sound me. bitter? I don't really mean Former to. Former Detroit Lions quarterback, right? <laughs> yeah. Detroit Lions, yeah. man, the old black and blue division. And yeah. my dad had many great games against the yeah. Lions. Those were some, some yeah. the, black, the, the, the old black and blue division was, in, was an incredible. Yeah. Of course, well, you know, it was all outside in the weather. You know, yeah. now the Vikings, I consider the Vikings made a big mistake because they gave away their home field advantage, which was playing outside. Yeah, I, I agree uh, with that. Going in, going into Minnesota when it was outside in it's miserable weather and it's cold, uh, it's it's tough to play. It's tough to have a, a, a complete game plan in that. Now, back then, of course, the running game was pretty right, well, prevalent, well, so you could pound on but people. But you know what, though? But, but you know what? You still had to throw the ball up when you haven't thrown it in, like, six plays. You know what I mean? But isn't <laughs> it true? When you even If you look at the playoffs this year yeah. and you see the pass-happy NFL, the two teams that are in it, the Patriots and the Rams, have run the ball yeah. big time the last two weeks in the playoffs. They yeah. played great defense. Uh, and, and I think the trend is going to start shifting again to where all of a sudden the run game is going to be, become really prominent again. Uh, there's only so much you can do, you know, uh, uh, on defense to protect against this stuff, right? And sooner or later, they're going to figure out on how to guard and how to protect right. the passing game. So the running game, and that's what really helped the Patriots out, was able to counteract to the run game. You know, they went right back to the whistle. Are you going to do that? We'll do this. You come up, we're going to do that. And, and that's what the game's all about, you know. So the run game has to be part of it and prominent of it. And, um, and well, I think as that's a, As back. a quarterback who played this game and knows, knows what it takes to play it successfully at a high level, you look at Tom Brady and what he's doing at 41 and what they've done as a team, more importantly, in terms of in, in a time where we were supposed to have an equal league where the last place team can be in the Super Bowl the next year. Yeah. You have a Patriots team that's been to nine Super Bowls under Brady and Belichick. Uh, I believe it was 12 uh, AFC championships. Eric, when you look at Tom Brady and you look at what he's doing in clutch time, yeah. I mean, that's what separates the great ones, right? Uh, when it counts. Yeah, it, it, it does. And um, I, will, I will say this, that the only way to defeat Brady is to get somebody in his face. Uh, that's the only way. Because if he sits back with that 10-yard cushion <laughs> sitting back there and he has time, there is no way you can stop him. He's going to always find the right guy. And it doesn't take much separation uh, for the guy uh, because he's so accurate. So experience and accuracy, um, you can't stop him. You've got to be able to put somebody in his face. And so if I have that going in, I don't have to be really mobile. I don't have to be the greatest right. athlete, you know, in, in making great breakaway plays. All very, I have to do is be accurate. Very quickly, be, how much does it mean to be in the same system for as many years as he has 
and to see everything he's seen and to have the success. He said the other day that, you know, I feel better now than I did when I physically, and I feel mentally like I know exactly what I'm doing all the time. It's more yeah. fun now than it's ever been. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, and, and that's like I said, love the real estate. But if if, um, if you think about that consistency. Um, I myself, I went through five offensive coordinators in 10 years. So I was learning a new offense every two years. And uh, three head coaches. And so when you take some teams that are going rolling through that, it's really hard to build a consistent, where everybody's on the same page, everybody's doing the same thing, and they have one leader that everybody looks to. And that's where he's at, right? And that consistency and knowing what you're doing, have no fear f from it. I know exactly, so I'm always in the zone. I'm, not, I'm never thinking, I'm always in the zone. And uh, because it's automatic to me. And that's such a wonderful place to be because when you're there, it's just uh, everything <laughs> everything's wonderful to have. Everything's moving smooth. You feel on top of the world. You don't get cluttered by, oh, yeah. you know, the stress and the pressure. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and what happens with quarterbacks when you start adding things to them or like young quarterbacks when they start learning more about an offense or more, they start thinking about it and they'll often have go through like a little down spell yeah, yeah. of a year or two trying to figure the game out again and getting back to the basics and being just a player again. Yeah. Well, tell me about this. You were up for a really cool, cool award, uh, which you're, we were talking about. I mean, I know you're involved with Gridiron Greats. Um, tell me about being a finalist for the NFL Salute to Service Award. Uh, I lost my son to suicide uh, back in 2000, so it's been you know, quite a quite a long time. But uh, it took me a couple of years to recover after that. And uh, but when I did, I wanted answers, and I I started seeking those answers, and I ended up getting involved in mental health, suicide prevention. Um, Self-medicating, of course, because that kind of goes along with loss and grief. But what I found was um, a lot of our players go through that transitional piece when, you know, since nine years old, I've been wearing a uniform and I'm 32 years old and I can't wear it anymore. Wow, what do you do now? And so that transition piece is really big and has a lot to do with your mental health. Well, what I also found out, I started doing suicide prevention work for the, uh, for the military. And so I was traveling around doing wow, different bases. And for 11 years, i um, been doing uh, with uh, U.S. Fleet Forces and and pack fleet, so I'm going to all the bases because they're they're always out and about. And, right? and, and yeah. I, I go to Camp Lejeune and do oh, a yeah, drug and alcohol yeah. program, and yeah. I was shocked at how large their drug and alcohol apparatus is, yeah. the rehabilitation apparatus. They're teaching that they're doing the number of people that are on their staff. It is a big, big problem in the military. I, I'm 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 thank you because I'm really I'm really proud of you for that. And and, and um, I grew up in Southern Cal, you know, so Camp Lejeune was just down the road, um, and it is. It's a huge. It's a huge issue with identity. And so when those guys leave, I saw the same things happening. You know, take the uniform off, now who am I, what do I do? I did this, but now what do I do? And um, so I started getting more and more involved with veteran um, supported awesome. stuff. And, and it kind of led to this, uh, this, this recognition, which um, I feel very blessed for. Sometimes you feel funny about an award yeah, because yeah. I think every I think every former player should be in this space. I think everybody should be in the space of, of trying to understand, you know, and trying to reach out when you can. Well. The big thing, too, Eric, is that a lot of people in the NFL, what I love doing on my show is uh, it isn't just current players that are out there doing their thing. It's alumni players yeah. that are continuing to be involved, continue to have a platform, continue to be uh, you know, necessary in their life of doing something with purpose. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that that's not easy as a retired football player sometimes yeah. because you've been so targeted as – Eric Kibble is a great player with the Lions. I remember when you yeah. played with the Lions, all those touchdowns you throw, you, you made my life happy. But it's never about what you're doing today. And the guys that yeah. I find that are, have the most peace and that are most fulfilled are the ones that use that platform to continue to be active and continue to be helping people along the way. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes it's a learning process, you know, of what the, what's, what's next and what you can do. And I think service, 
being service oriented really, really is self-healing in itself as well. And uh, you know, you, you talk about, you, you said something funny there about, you know, people how they see players and they ask about the other thing. Players do that to themselves. If you put four players in a room, they don't talk about right, anything, anything current about issues, yeah. man. It's all about, remember that play? Do you remember, oh yeah, when I played against you there? Or remember that, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I so thank God every together, day yeah. because I played a couple of years in the NFL yeah. and had a neck injury. So I yeah. didn't have that, that problem. It was easier for me to transition because yeah. I knew I had to. So I began to work on my future and what I wanted to do now, and so I wasn't really tied to that. I see it in my dad's life all the time because he played 17 years, yeah. and everybody all you want to talk to him about is, is, and it's fine, what he did when he was 29 years old. But <laughs> right, yeah. I, you know, I always tell my dad, I said, don't, you know, it's so easy to get hooked into that right. to where it becomes everybody wants you to talk about what you were instead of what you are. Yeah, well, and I will say this about what you just said about yourself, right? Um, it's still, it's still a transition, yes. right? And, and the ones who turn and re are the ones who get a bigger picture of the world and, and see the vision of what they can be, not caught in what they were or caught of what could have been or what, you know, and that, that, that unfairness in life, how come this happened to yeah. me? And uh, so kudos to you on that because that's a, that's a tough thing to do, but uh, it's a great example for what all guys should do. Eric Hipple, former Detroit Lions quarterback, 2019 finalist for the NFL Salute to Service Award. Uh, and of course, I want to thank Eric for coming in. We, Roman Gabriel right here on Sold Out Sports Talk. And Eric, let's stay in touch because I love what you're doing. I love anybody who works with the military. Just fantastic and continued great works and um, great seeing you. You've been listening to Sold Out Sports Talk with Roman Gabriel III. Our podcasts are available at AFR.net. You can follow Roman on his official website, soldouttv.com and on Facebook at Roman Gabriel 3. We'll catch you next time on Sold Out Sports Talk, your source for faith, family, and sports.